This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station. Raise Your Game, I'm Christine Wong. One of the many issues that the pandemic has encouraged over the past few years is isolation and loneliness. With many of us working from home or in bare bones, empty offices, it has been a hard issue to combat. So today on the line with me is Nick Johnson, co-founder and MD at EGN Singapore, which is the largest confidential peer network for C-suites and entrepreneurs in Asia. We're going to be discussing this issue of executive loneliness and workplace isolation and how we can identify and fight it. And just as a quick content warning, the following program contains material that may be harmful or traumatizing to some audiences, including mentions of suicide. Yes, Christine, my name is Nick Johnson. I'm working and living in Singapore, but I was born in Sweden. So I spent my life as a senior executive working around the globe and some of the last four years now in Singapore, where I'm the co-founder of the largest organization looking after the C-suite in confidential peer groups. So that's what I do day to day now. Mm -hmm. So tell me a little bit about, you know, founding this peer network and why that happened, basically. Well, what I realized in my various positions as a senior executive was that the, the higher up you get the hierarchy in an organization, the lonelier it gets. And I can look back at myself in various roles I had. I was, for example, a GM in roles in Indonesia and Vietnam and so on. And I can just look back at myself and see that I made too many big decisions by myself. I I was pressured and I had to make the decisions, but I didn't really have anyone to speak with. So it can be quite lonely. If you just compare it, Christine, for example, if you are in the middle management, when you go for a lunch break or coffee, you will have other people at your own level to talk to. You can ask them for their advice and making friendships and so on. But at the top, it gets fewer and fewer. So that's what sparked me to basically go into this space and and really create these confidential peer groups where senior executives and also business owners can discuss their challenges. Mm, Yes, I was about to say that, you know, uh, a lot of our listeners are entrepreneurs, people who otherwise head small and medium enterprises. And, you know, I think that is one of the issues that uh, we have to, you know, at the beginning of your entrepreneurial journey, you have to work to avoid in the future, right? Yes, absolutely. And uh, it's In regards to entrepreneurs, Christine, we also rolled this out in Singapore for entrepreneurs. And during the pandemic, we realized that many of the entrepreneurs also were very lonely Mm. in their roles. So we now have 100 entrepreneurs divided in three groups here in Singapore. And they also are sharing the challenges they are going through in this confidential environment with a facilitator who's then been trained to help them and support them. And it's basically to match the challenges they have with the expertise of someone else in the group. Excellent. So, you know, I think that uh, executive loneliness as well has now spread not just from the leaders of companies, but just to everyone in general. We've all been very severely isolated for the better part of two years now, right? So could you give some perspective on sort of the regional mental health situation from your knowledge and in your industry? Yes, certainly, Christine. And actually, back in 2019, before the pandemic, I had done a survey where I wanted to check in with senior executives and business owners in Singapore at that time, how lonely do they feel in their jobs? And the survey results was 
that 30% of them felt lonely. I then did some research and I found on Statista that it was similar numbers globally, also 30% uh, of senior executives or business owners felt lonely. I then did the survey again in 2020 in December. So during the pandemic, the number then of the survey, the result was 59%. So we're talking doubling. So indeed, as you say, people have felt more isolated and working also, of course, from home then and feeling more further away from everyone. So it's been very, very challenging times. And we're talking then executives or business owners who are responsible for a business, perhaps when it's been in crisis mode, when it's been disrupted, and the pressures are just compounding. And who do you then talk to during these situations? Or just to get some sympathy by someone else in the same situation is a, is a human trait we all are looking for. Mm. You know, I think one of the things that has come out of the pandemic as well is the sort of drop in possible collaboration for a lot of people. Um, and this includes obviously not just uh, different departments, let's say in a company, but also networking in general for a lot of business leaders, for a lot of executives, you know, and creating these business relationships, which you can't do as well. I'm not going to say you can't do it at all, but you can't do as well, you know, with a lot of the restrictions that are in place at the moment. So, you know, could you tell me a little bit about that? And, you know, from your perspective, how exactly the pandemic has really affected this issue of executive loneliness? And as you mentioned, has doubled basically that feeling in many of us. Well, it is a bit difficult to be vulnerable, to be very honest and deep in an online environment, especially if it's a lot of people on there. We have found that once you are in the room with people in person, you tend to go a little bit deeper, you be vulnerable. I have, for example, not seen as many people perhaps breaking out in tears on a Zoom meeting, but when you're in the room with someone, you get someone a hug, you know, it's more emotional. It's just the way business is done. But we had no choice in the last two years. We had to, at some stages in various countries, turn to online. And then I think it was a blessing that we had Zoom. And it's all down to how you do it as a business leader, as a moderator, how you are engaging the team. And we have seen examples of that. Yes, it can be possible. It can be done. And we have worked with what we can. The benefits here, I would say, is that if someone really has a challenge, and many people have gone through a deep mental health crisis, depression, and so on during this pandemic, if you these days want to have, for example, a one-on-one -on -one session with a therapist or so on, this actually is possible on Zoom as well. So before people might, due to the stigma, not shown up uh, to see the therapist or a psychologist because they're scared that someone will see them, this has now changed. And uh, if, if you're asking around, you will, any psychologist you ask, they say they've never been busier because it's, yes, people have felt more isolated, there's a bigger need, but also it's more accessible. And I think, and here is the benefit I see here, Christine, it's more okay to talk about that you're feeling burnt out. Mm. It's more socially acceptable now to admit that I'm not feeling great, I need to get some help. Yeah, I guess in a way, because everyone has taken a, a sort of mental health hit <laughs> during the pandemic, it becomes a more shared experience. And that opens up the conversation a lot, because if everyone's experiencing it, it's very difficult to continue to stigmatize that issue. Right. So that is really interesting and a great point about how, you know, in a weird way, because of the pandemic, mental health um, uh, support it has become a lot more available and a lot more accessible as well. And, you know, I also wanted to talk about, you mentioned vulnerability, and I think this is really interesting, especially when it pertains to leadership. Um, there is this feeling, I guess, that, you know, especially since we have been navigating a massive crisis, and especially in times of crisis, uh, it's very difficult for leaders to be vulnerable, right? There's a pressure to 
be able to keep yourself together and to be able to be a force of stability in your company because a lot of people are relying on you. Can you talk to me maybe a bit about that and how, you know, workplace isolation would factor into that? Yes, certainly. And when it comes to vulnerability, what I found when I did a research for my book that came out uh, uh, earlier last year uh, was that vulnerability has to start from the top. And you will never get uh, junior or fresh graduates in your organization coming into the boss and explaining how they are feeling, you know, even middle management, it has to start from the top. So as a leader, you have to dare to be vulnerable and start to open up about your own challenges. You need to show that you are human too. And you also are going through challenges and difficult times. If you as a leader do that to your organization and you encourage an open door policy where you first have shared how you feel, then people are welcome to come to you uh, then you will see the whole uh, organization transforms. And I've mm -hmm. seen this also during the pandemic of senior leaders who actually before the pandemic had not opened up to their team. But during the pandemic, they were the one who actually crashed. And during this crash, it was exposed uh, and it opened up a whole world around them that they had not been great before. And because of the pandemic, basically the scale tipped over and they crashed. And many of these senior executives uh, was, was in a serious state, even hospitalized during this period. So uh, what, that is what we can see here, that you just have to dare to be vulnerable mm. as a leader. Yeah. And I think that where EGN comes in, at least if you have people who are in a similar position as you, uh, you know, maybe that pressure could be lifted a little bit and that ability to be vulnerable because you know that they are maybe going through some of the same challenges as you. And that is very important. But also as a leader, it's important to show your employees that you are willing to show them that you're a human being, I guess, is sort of um, where, where that factors in. And as you mentioned, that in turn, I think, you know, we've we talk a lot on the show about. Um, the importance of integrity and honesty. And I think that that is really where that would factor in as well, right? It's just, you know, saying, look, I'm a human being. I'm also going through a really tough time. I think that will really help employees to trust you as a leader, you know? And um, I think that's really interesting as well. So I also wanted to talk a little bit about uh, identifying it, right? I think we are able to not surveil, but we're able to sort of notice things more when we're in person, obviously. But of course, during the pandemic, it's been slightly more difficult to, let's say, check in on your employees, see how they're feeling, see how they're coping. And we're all suffering, as you mentioned, uh, you know, from a lot of mental health issues or, or uh, otherwise, you know, stress or stuff like that. So as a leader, you know, um, in addition to sharing your own vulnerabilities, how can you do better to look out for your employees and your team? Well, you can look for certain signals in your teams. Uh, I mean, burnout and those are the obvious ones, but then perhaps it's gone too far. But if someone is isolating themselves, they turn in quiet, you know, we need to check in with them because we're not really sure what's going on at the other end. Mm. But the people around us, we can look for other signals like gaining weight, losing weight, or perhaps if you have a husband or a wife or a, or a colleague or something when they used to perhaps love jogging suddenly they stopped jogging or if your husband cooked dinner for you every Wednesday night for the last few years and suddenly he stopped doing that these kind of changes in pattern that is a signal that something is not going mm. really well and you need to try to check in with a person but remember this then when you do check in with someone you have to almost be vulnerable first because if you've never been vulnerable with a person and you're checking in with them they're not going to tell you anything 
I call this in my book, smiling depression. So people are hiding behind that smile and we're hiding behind our LinkedIn profiles and, and we don't want to expose ourselves unless the other person have exposed themselves first. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, if you don't do that and if you don't take that step to be vulnerable first, I think you can almost invite them to be defensive, right? You're just sort of like, hey, are you okay? With no real... Um, uh, indication of what your, I guess, your intention actually is. And then maybe people can be like, oh, yeah, I'm fine. And they don't want to tell you about their issues because they feel like, oh, you know, I don't really know what you want from me uh, with that question. So I think that is really interesting. And that is a really important thing of when you ask people to reach out, you also have to reach out emotionally as well. We're going to take a short break for some messages. But after that, I will continue my conversation with Nick Johnson. He is the co-founder and MD at EGN Singapore, the largest confidential peer network for the C-suite and entrepreneurs in Asia. And we're going to continue chatting about executive loneliness and workplace isolation. Do stay tuned to BFM 89.9. Benchmark for Managers. BFM 89.9. to Raise Your Game. I'm Christine Wong and on the line with me today is Nick Johnson. He's the co-founder and MD at EGN Singapore, which is the largest confidential peer network for the C-suite and entrepreneurs in Asia. Today, we're talking about executive loneliness and workplace isolation. And before the break, we talked about the general mental health state, I guess, of the world, especially when it comes to executives and people in business, as well as how to maybe look out for some of those signs, how to uh, navigate that for yourself as well a little bit. Just as a quick warning, the following program contains content that may be harmful or traumatizing to some audiences, including mentions of suicide. What I would like to do now is to ask you to, if you can, perhaps share some experiences from the people that you've heard from in your line of work of some of these leadership challenges, some of these issues of isolation and loneliness, and you know, not only maybe share their stories with us, but also how they have maybe uh, worked to progressing past them as well. Yes, certainly, Christine. And uh, when I wrote my book from 2019 until 2021, I interviewed a lot of senior executives. There was first a survey findings, which I spoke about, but it was then deeper interviews. And what I realized even there was that the first interview, when you speak with someone, they will just tell you a little bit. Mm -hmm. And then either I had to come back to them and ask more questions or in the case, and let me share with you one senior executive, a managing director for one of the large international banks here. Uh, When I first met her, she only disclosed a little bit how she was feeling. Luckily, a few days later, she messaged me and asked if we could catch up again because she wanted to share more. When I then came to see her, uh, I was quite shocked what I heard. She said, Nick, it has, I'm not as well as I told you. I actually rehearsed my own suicide twice. So that was a very, very big moment, obviously, for her to share this with me. And she said, you're the first one I'm sharing this with. So at that stage, I was also shocked. Uh, but I was there by her side and let her speak out and talk about it. And she later agreed to call her therapist. And she decided to then discuss and tell deeply the truth to this therapist who basically could support her, who also then invited the husband to join the conversation. And they solved it and put it on the table and discussed this between the three of them. Um, 
And later on, she decided actually to open up also to her team. She decided to open up to her boss and say this was what was going on. And they also discussed and solved it. And through this journey, even her boss decided to also open up and saying that he also had gone through something similar before. Then later on, day two together in an all-hands meeting with the team, decided to disclose this to the whole team. And the outcome of this... uh, is that they had open door policy throughout the whole pandemic and the whole team came together so closely, everyone supporting each other. And she says, going to work today is not what it was before. She feels so connected with the team and she's just loving the fact that she decided to dare to be vulnerable. So this is just one of the many, many beautiful stories that I, I heard in the last years, Chrissy. Mm. And I think what is interesting about that is it took that catalyst, right, of you asking and of that reaching out uh, initially that started that snowball effect, um, not only for her in her life, uh, but also in her company as well. And that is a fantastic example of what you mentioned, uh, you know, which is that that initial leading with vulnerability can only do good (laughs) in a way. Um, And also very glad to hear that uh, she's doing a lot better. And I think It's fascinating to me that, you know, not only did uh, her employees obviously open up to her and, you know, uh, and resonate with that, but also her own boss, right, you know, uh, also decided to learn from that and also decided to be vulnerable. And, you know, that all sort of pyramided into this lovely thing where because of one small action, the entire work culture changed. Um, So I think that is really, really interesting. And, you know, I think where we can go from here is... Looking at, as uh, a lot of our listeners are uh, entrepreneurs or business leaders, you know, taking a look at their companies, what could they do to help to combat these issues? You know, what are some uh, policies they could put in place? What are some maybe uh, benefits they could look at? Or, you know, even uh, as small as what are some actions, small actions they can take uh, in their day to day to help combat these issues? Um. There's a lot of things you can do. And mm-hmm. as we said before, the first starts by being vulnerable yourself. And that can be in a one-on-one environment. You don't have to open up to the whole world if you don't feel comfortable with yes. You can open up on a one by, one-on-one basis with your team if you feel better with that. And you don't have to disclose the whole world. It's just to show that you are human. And mm-hmm. once that has been established, then you can do as in the case of the woman I spoke about in an all-hands meeting, you can have conversations about this. You can have readings. You can uh, also encourage everyone to come in and share their challenges. And over time, you will actually dis- decide to open up more and more. And that's what I learned in my own life journey. And, and the reason I started to write a book on this was because I also went through a crash a few years ago mentally and I decided to eventually only after sadly a colleague and friend of mine had died of suicide that's when i decided to open up and share my story uh, so that's what it took in in my own journey for me to open up so here is is the key for you as a business owner or or an executive to really just having conversations about it and what i learned was that it's not so easy to do it when you're face to face with someone when you're looking each other in the eyes sometimes perhaps it's when driving a car going for a walk 
cycling and just start to open up step by step. It takes a while before. Don't expect someone will completely disclose themselves to you right away. In my case, the woman I interviewed for the book who decided to open up, she had already read my story. It was, while the book was not out, it was still actually, it had been on radio talking about it. It was printed in the newspaper. So she knew when she opened up to me that I had gone through some challenging mm. time. She felt comfortable opening up to me. So that is uh, the key here. Again, mm. if you want to do anything, it starts with you. You have to open up the door. Absolutely. You know, and I think also for your team to be able to reciprocate in that they also have to feel secure, right? I think that's one of the things that as much as, you know, we have gotten a lot better about talking about mental health as a society, there are still definitely, unfortunately, people and, uh, you know, organizations who may still operate on the antiquated style of thinking that, oh, don't talk about it. Or, you know, if this is affecting your work, then, you know, that's a problem and not really something that we should uh, discuss. It's more like a problem that you just you just have to solve. There are, are cases where if an employee is underperforming, for example, instead of going, hey, maybe something's up when, you know, normally they're a fairly competent performer, there are definitely some companies out there who would immediately just go, well, no, let's just put them on a, a performance plan and just see what happens, but not really investigating what could be, you know, something a bit deeper than that. So I think yeah. it's also about establishing that environment, right? Yes, and uh, it's interesting you mentioned that because I also asked in my survey, if you're not feeling well, will you talk to your company about it? And the the, the result was that 84% of the senior executives and business owners that we interviewed then uh, would not talk about it in the company. Mm. So a vast, vast majority wouldn't do it for exactly the reasons you mentioned. Maybe they worried that they will not be up for the next promotion and they just don't want people to find out about it. So this is a big challenge. And then the follow-up question is, would you seek professional help for it? Well, that's still 75% wouldn't. And that is, so if you add those two up, that just means that people will not talk about it in the company and they will not even seek help about mm. it. That's still where we are. And even though we're coming a little bit along the journey, it's still a very long way to go here. And that's why I'm grateful you're covering this topic today. Mm. The only thing we can do is to continue to support each other and to remove the stigma that it's equally okay to say that you're not feeling well mentally as mm -hmm. it is if you have a, a, a physical injury, for example, a broken arm. It's also okay to say that you're not well mentally. Yeah, I think that is exactly it. You know, I think that when it comes to the conversation around mental health, I think that there is this um, misconception of, oh, but it's just all in your head. Like, why are you even worried about it? You know, it's some, something that you can battle through yourself or like, you know, or that whole, the very long and tired thing of, um, ah, you know, maybe you're just like, you're just sad. You're not like depressed or what do you have to be anxious about? Right. And it's stuff like maybe working with uh, local mental health services in your area to uh, incorporate some of those as maybe uh, some like. Uh, have a direct line for your people in the company. If possible, any sort of uh, subsidi uh, subsidization of fees for therapy or anything like that as well is another like in, like practical initiative for companies to implement. But also, as you mentioned, it is also that human touch. It is also just making it very clear on a personal level and leading by example that this is all stuff that you have to talk about if you're comfortable, obviously, um, so that everyone can benefit as a whole. 
Yes, and also there's a lot of organizations which actually don't charge money for these kind of things. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of anonymous grassroots charities and I myself uh, am a volunteer and fundraiser for one here in Singapore called the Samaritans, which is a suicide hotline. Uh, But it's also for every single addiction out there, a lot of anonymous for alcohol, drugs, uh, uh, weight or uh, shopping, all of those ones mm-hmm. are there. And if you look it up, there, there's help both online and most likely also in your community. There's so many people who are out there every day trying to support each other. Mm-hmm. Excellent. I think let's uh, end the conversation hopefully a more uh, optimistic note. Uh, what are your thoughts on, you know, as people are talking about it more, as people are maybe going back a little bit more to seeing each other in person and uh, and having those conversations, what do you uh, predict or hope for how uh, mental wellness in the business community is going to look like in the future? Well, as we hopefully now are coming out of the pandemic, indeed, people are more comfortable getting together in the rooms together, which is wonderful and beautiful. And uh, I can just see that it's more positive in the rooms of EGN among the members. We had an event and it was a full room again here in Singapore. People are coming out again, coming together. And it was a wonderful, warm feeling around it. And the beautiful thing here now during these two years, we're also complementing this now with a virtual world where we can more check in with each other. If someone is traveling or so on, we also have tools to do that. So I'm very optimistic. I'm positive that we have come a long way. And indeed, we are all also uh, removing the stigma surrounding discussing mental health by the conversations we now are more comfortable in having. So we come a long way these two years. Excellent. Well, on that note, thank you very much, Nick, for talking to me today all about executive loneliness and workplace isolation. Thank you. You've been listening to Raise Your Game. I'm Christine Wong. I've been speaking to Nick Johnson, co-founder and MD at EGN Singapore, the largest confidential peer network for C-suite and entrepreneurs in Asia. We've been talking today about loneliness and workplace isolation. If you've missed any of today's conversation, you can go ahead and download the podcast. It's available on both our app which is both on the Apple App Store and Google Play and also our website, bfm.my, to listen back to and download as well. This is BFM 89.9. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To find more great interviews, go to bfm.my or find us on iTunes. BFM 89.9, The Business Station.